It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is the one and only Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, what's going on? Are you getting excited for training camp yet? Uh, less than a week. You know, we we uh, camp actually starts uh, on th- next Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, first it's, practice. Uh, is the opening day. First practice. So, yeah. Oh, no, actually, right. Wednesday is actually the, like, they arrive and Point Magoo and all that stuff. And then uh, Thursday is the first practice. And, you know, Friday we'll have actual information about what these guys looked like it's 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 kind of it's it's actually kind of snuck up you know that's and that's what happens is that you get close to the end of uh of this desert and you're just trying to survive it and then suddenly oh my gosh i have no time to get ready for what's you know for you people like you and me who like semi well cover cover the team uh you know it's like you get you get right right before the the beginning of this and suddenly it 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 hits you so fast and then everything starts moving so quickly and it doesn't let go until the end of the season now do you know when you're heading out to camp yet if at all i think i've oh yeah i'm definitely spending uh, some time out there i i um i'm definitely going to try to go out uh i might go out thursday and friday next week and then i'll should be out there most of the weekend next weekend i try to do a little planning of it out but i i think i should be out there for most I mean, at least uh, most of every practice, most of the weeks. The the one weekend that I'm not going to probably be out there is the weekend of the 10th. I got some stuff. But I think I'm going to try to make it out there for almost every weekend except for that weekend. And then uh, uh, at least one or two midweek practices. Because really, the the midweek practices, if you can find a way to go to those, are always really great because they're, they're just way less crowded. Uh, and they And they usually end up being, you know, kind of where a lot of stuff happens. I don't know why. I think people, the, the, the players seem less, more loose when there's the, 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 the state, the stands aren't packed, I guess, so to sure. speak. So, uh, so but yeah. So make sure you guys are following Landon at McCool BCB uh, for all those training camp updates. Hopefully you can get some, some good pictures and videos like you got last year. Yeah. I remember uh, you getting some uh, cool videos of Demarcus Lawrence, and you were telling me that he wasn't fat, and I didn't believe you. And <laughs> he went on to have an All Pro year. So uh, make sure you're following Landon. All right. So coming up on today's show, we review the Cowboys 2012 draft class, and boy, this one is uh, interesting. Uh, we review every single pick, who the Cowboys were interested in, uh, some of our favorite guys that we liked in that draft. But before we do that. Uh, let's take a, a step back to the previous season, that 2011 season, and find out how the Cowboys ended up with the 14th pick in that draft. Uh, if you remember correctly, the Cowboys finished the season at 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, They had a chance to win the division in the final week of the season against the Giants. Uh, they were actually 8-6 and six entering the last two games of the season. 
Uh, they lost to the Eagles, and then they lost to the Giants at New York. Uh, they were beat 31-14. Uh, that's the game where Romo didn't play particularly well. I think he had like a, a bruised hand uh, or something like that. Um, he had a fantastic season, but that defense really needed to improve. Down the stretch, it, it struggled. Um, so I think the Cowboys went into this draft with the mindset that they were going to improve the defense. Um, and we'll go ahead and we'll start right there. Uh, the Cowboys held the 14th pick in that draft. Um, you know, who were some of the guys that you remember being interested in uh, at the time? I know uh, the guy that everybody was projecting in their, their mock drafts was Michael Brockers. Who were some of the other guys that you remember being intrigued by? I mean, I, I definitely remember Brockers being a uh, – uh, you know, one of the the people that I was most interested in. I just felt like, um, you know, they they really could have used, uh, you know, what he provided for them. Um, I I, I kind of felt like I remember, um, uh, you know, just like at that point, the the defense really could have used everything, and 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 I I I can't remember. Off the top of my head, and I know this is again terrible radio, but no, that was Rob Ryan's first year, 2012, right? 2011 was so. This was his second. So year this was his second year. So yep. I, I felt like you know we we were. I knew that it was early on. So I, I mean, I felt like part you know part of this was you know just kind of revamping to what we thought Rob Ryan Rob Ryan's defense would want. Um, and yeah, Brockers was I think uh, a guy that we were banting about. I, I feel like Dre Kirkpatrick was a name that was kind of being yep, mentioned a lot. Um, and, and I think you know people were talking. I mean, I'm looking at the guys who got drafted around that er- that you know area that we were originally supposed to pick around 14. And you know, I remember Shane McClellan's name being bantied about. What, where where would he play in this defense? And um, you know, I I just think that you know all the guys that kind of went in that range were uh, people. I, you know, the big thing that we were talking about, and actually this is kind of personal to me, is uh, Don Terry Poe. I remember Don yep, Terry Poe. You know, was was it, you know, coming out of Memphis, had this incredible, you know, uh, uh, draft process, and and to me was the guy that afterwards, when I looked back at that, like I really kind of had to change my evaluation of these. Uh, I usually kind of wrote off these sort of big, you know, underproduction. Uh, yeah, because he under, I felt like he underproduced a little bit. Uh, for his you know athletic profile and he was at Memphis and, and he just kind of came in and blew up the blew up the combine and you know guys like that you know previously I just stayed away from because I just felt like they they never panned out and so to see him kind of pan out made me kind of reevaluate my whole process there but but anyways going back to this lots of these guys I mean if you go back and look the 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 level of talent that actually was available at 14 uh, or at least right right around that that pick is still pretty impressive I mean, Chandler Jones Melvin Ingram um, these guys you know all came out of this draft class and they were picked late, later than where uh, the Cowboys uh, originally selected so there certainly was a wealth of of defensive talent available for this team and I remember a lot of people even being intrigued with the two Alabama linebackers Dante Hightower uh, Courtney Upshaw. Uh, those were two guys that people had an eye on. Melvin Ingram yeah. was another one. Now, we, I, we kind of forgot to mention this, but at the time, the Cowboys were running a 3-4 defense. Yes. So we thought that Don Perry Poe made a lot of sense as a nose tackle. Brockers made a lot of sense as this 3-4 defensive end who could maybe kick inside and play some nose tackle snaps. 
uh, in certain packages. So they were looking for three, four types of players. And we're going to get to that later with the Cowboys' next pick. Uh, but this is ultimately what ended up happening. Uh, after the Trent Richardson pick at number three, the Cowboys were pretty convinced that Morris Claiborne was going to fall to the sixth pick, which was owned by the Rams. Uh, Andrew Luck with number one, Robert Griffin number two, Trent Richardson three. Uh, at four, the Vikings took Matt Khalil, and then Jacksonville at number five took Justin Blackman. Huh. Once the Cowboys started to see that Morris Claiborne was falling in this draft, uh, that's when they made the move to trade up with the Rams, giving up their second-round pick uh, to do so. They did not meet with Claiborne uh, before the draft, but uh, let's talk about this pick a little bit. Why did Dallas make this selection uh, what was the kind of the end result? And let's talk a little bit about Morris Claiborne's career here in Dallas. Well, I mean, look. You summed it up right there with a the sigh. That, yeah. that, 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 that is exactly the way I feel about Morris Claiborne's career it's, in Dallas. It's just so sad because, honestly, like, I mean, let's go back to the moment. At the moment that it happened, I could not believe it happened. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I mean, there was no way we were going to get Morris Claiborne. And the fact that, you know— the fact that I that it happened like I remember the trade happening and I remember like I was at my one of my apartment in Hollywood and literally jumping up on the couch on the back of the couch like from a seated position like uh, I was so excited that we it had happened and you know look I mean I think looking back you, you can't really you know. You can't really blame the Cowboys. I mean, he he didn't see. He seems like a pretty solid pick. He was an extremely talented defensive back, extremely talented corner. Uh, it was a good fit for what they were trying to do. It wasn't like he was, you know, that there was like uh, it was a mismatch or any of that. It, I mean, it it just seems like he started his his career out on the wrong foot with an injury, and then he just was never able to regain the confidence or the swagger that he had in college. And it just fell apart for him for the first, I mean, the first three years are almost a waste when you consider his talent, you know, it's like, and, and now he's starting to, you know, unfortunately for the jets, you know, but I mean, now he's starting to kind of at least play like a, uh, an average corner of his physical skill set, but I mean, uh, look, I don't think anybody would have blamed the Cowboys at the time of, for that pick because of how everyone felt about Morris Claiborne, um, and then it just it just did not go well, and 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 whether that's you know who knows all the delicate mix of you know his. Uh, a lack of confidence or or a lack of skill of the injury the inability to come back cleanly from the injury all of it was just a a, a terrible cocktail for 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 Morris Claiborne's career and 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 unfortunately it just get, set him back to the point where you know he's he's having it like I said an average NFL cornerback's career but that wasn't exactly the trajectory that he had taken off from from college. Yeah, so when I think of Morris Claiborne, I don't think of a bad player. This this isn't like a, a guy that the Cowboys drafted who just couldn't play. That, no, that's no, absolutely it's not. not what it's happened. not a misevaluation. I th- that's that that's how like I was telling. Yes. It, it's not like they misevaluated the player. Something happened to him after he got drafted. Like, 
Now you ask you ask any LSU person out there, and they will tell you, you know, this guy was as good as Patrick Peterson was, you know, in the SEC. The only difference was he wasn't the same dynamic returner. Uh, you know, this is what a true lockdown corner that just couldn't stay healthy in the NFL. Now he ended up starting 43 games for the Cowboys, so it wasn't like he didn't give them anything. He gave them a lot of uh, good production when he was healthy. The problem was he just missed so many games. As a rookie, he played 15, and then after that, all downhill. Started seven games in 2013, three games in 2014, uh, 11 in 2015, and then in 2016, he played in seven games. So you just never could rely on him. Uh, the Cowboys decided to well, let him and, go. And the Jets, go ahead. The, and the value, the, the part that we, the, we need to talk about is is that we haven't really talked about is that we had to trade up to get him, you know, and it, and, and it cost yes. us dearly. It cost us, uh, 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 if I'm not mistaken, a third, was it a third and a or second round pick? A second round pick. The next pick was in the third. Sorry. Yes, a second round pick. So, you know, it, it was it was extremely costly and it was a it was a it was not. Yeah, you don't want to call him a bust. I mean, because he, you know, he kind of managed to turn his career around. But for where he was picked, it's extremely disappointing and extreme, extremely disappointing results when you traded up for a player like that and traded a second round pick. Is uh, it's it's a double gut punch. Yeah, and Jerry Jones did not help it after the draft. Uh, he said that if the Cowboys would have stayed at number fourteen and they would have selected in the second round. Uh, the two guys they would have selected were Michael Brockers, who we've talked about, uh, and then they said Bobby Wagner would have been mm-hmm. in the pick in the second round, and we all know uh, how Bobby Wagner has turned out. Uh, I'm not so sure that would have been the pick. I would actually know that the Cowboys really liked uh, Ryan Broyles, the wide receiver from Oklahoma, if you remember him. He is kind of a slot guy. Uh, they had Dez. They were really looking for that compliment to him. Uh, again, that hurt. Not having that second round pick. There was a lot of talent in this second round, you know, between Alshon Jeffrey and Bobby Wagner and Levante David and Casey Hayward and Coleccio Semele. A lot of really good NFL players that the Cowboys passed on in order to get more playboard. Uh, let's go ahead and move to third round at pick 81. Uh, the Cowboys were still looking for a guy that could play the 3-4 defense vent spot. Uh, if you remember correctly, they were playing guys like Igor Olshansky, oh, uh, Kenyon Coleman, Sean Lissamore. They were looking for another guy to add into that rotation. Uh, and they did that in the third round by selecting Tyrone Crawford. Um, I, I know people have mixed feelings about Tyrone Crawford. Uh, did the Cowboys overpay him? Uh, I think it was in 2015. Yes, no question. But it's not like this is a bad player or a bad pick. He's been one of the leaders of the defensive line for years now. Uh, he started 59 games over the last four years. Um, he's given you snaps at right defensive end, left defensive end, three technique, one technique, uh, three, four defensive end. I mean, he's played all over. Uh, I, I actually think this was a hit in the third round for the Cowboys. Give us your thoughts on the selection of Tyron Crawford and kind of how his career has developed over the last five years for Dallas. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree that he's a hit. I mean, like, the guy is, we've gotten the incredible value out of a, a third round pick, I think. I mean, he's been a starter for the team. Uh, you can say what he, what you want about, uh, his, uh, production. Uh, you know, part of that is because of, you know, look, if you want to look at any one spot or any one place where, uh, some, particular person took the brunt of the Cowboys having to change defensive coordinators three times in five years or whatever it was 
it's it's Tyrone Crawford. You know, I, I think that you know the guy has moved from five technique to three technique to defensive end to three technique to defensive end. I mean, it's like, you know, it's 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 really unfortunate for for his career. And I think part of why I like him so much, you know, especially now is. <clears throat> He'll complain about it under his breath, you know, in interviews and joke about it. But, but I mean, the guy, sure. you know, but he, but he clearly at the same time, uh, you know, is a team player all the way. Like the guy, like he's the glue that kind of helps that defensive line room hold together. He's a great leader. You know, he's got a great attitude. He's, he buys into a lot of that stuff and he is dependable. Like, I mean, especially now, I, I think, you know, we all kind of are. He has now become that guy because of his contract. I mean, you know, obviously, look, he got paid like a great player. He's a very good player. You know, I, sure. I think that's that's the problem. So uh, he got paid like one of the top you know defensive linemen in the league, and he's you know he's not he's not one of the top twenty best linebacker linemen in the league. But that doesn't mean he's not a very good defensive lineman, and that he's not going to give you solid snaps, and that that he's you know he's not necessarily at replacement level you know like he you just would like to have more oomph out of your pass rush so you'd like to you know have a more dynamic guy but as far as what he actually provides to the team he's you know he's a very good run player on the end and uh, I think he you know he considering how he's fluctuated from anywhere between 270 to 300 pounds you know and back you know I, I think He's uh, all things considered, it's it's uh, it's been a pretty good ride for Tyron Crawford. Again, the issue here is mostly based on perception because of a contract where the Cowboys thought that they were paying a great player early, and it turns out they were just playing paying a very good player early. Moving on to the fourth round with pick, uh, somehow I lost it. Uh, pick one thirteen, the Cowboys selected linebacker Kyle Wilbur from Wake Forest. Another one of these guys that kind of got lost in transition because, um, you know, he was drafted to be a 3-4 outside linebacker. Uh, I don't think pass rushing was ever his skill set. Uh, the Cowboys, you know, when they moved to the 4-3, they kind of stuck him at Sam. I don't think that was a great fit for him. Uh, but, you know, he's been one of the Cowboys' key contributors on special teams for the last six years. Uh, he signed a deal with Oakland this offseason. But a guy that just could wear a lot of different hats on game day. He was on the kick return duty. He was on punt coverage. I mean, you could throw him all over the, the special teams units. He was going to make a play. Uh, he had by far the most special team snaps for the Cowboys since 2012. Uh, he was second on the team this year in, in special team snaps. He made a couple big plays in big games. I'll always remember the play in 2012 against Pittsburgh where he stripped Antonio Brown on a punt return mm -hmm. uh, to kind of get that game to overtime. Kind of an under-the-radar player who, you know, never really developed into something spectacular. But for a fourth-round pick, I think you have to say this is a hit, right, Landon? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, I mean, and I'm glad you said that too, because I think, you know, some people may not look as, as this as a guy, but you got every single bit of value out of this guy. I mean, this guy played special teams, like all the different special teams places. He's played defensive end. He's played middle linebacker. He's giving you snaps at Sam. He's giving you snaps uh, you know, as a pass rusher, a stand up and with his hand down. Um, you know, look, and, and he's made plays, you know, like, I mean, the, the guy's made play, not, you know, he's not consistently making plays game in, game out, but, but there have been times when he's been put in the game and he's 
better than average. And, 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 and you know, like I, I remember there was one or two times when uh, I can't remember what a couple of years ago where they put him at Sam linebacker and he made like five or six tackles like in yeah. 10 snaps or something like that. Like, I mean, the guy just has a knack for he's a football playing dude. You know, he just is. And uh, and, and those guys, you know, I, I think these are the guys that to me are like the definition of NFL football. Because and I know that sounds weird, but I'll explain. Because you know, at the college level, at the high school level, you have you know, especially these big programs, you have two hundred kids who are coming out. You've got a guy who is your freshman five star uh, wide receiver who's playing your 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 kick coverage, you know, because you're just trying to get him on the field, you know, to get some snaps, or whatever. In, in in the NFL, you're not allowed that. So you got to have guys who are versatile, who can play a lot of different hats, because you have a limited roster. In order to facilitate a football game, you're going to need guys who can wear a whole bunch of different hats. And we've, we've seen a whole bunch of, of these guys. But Kyle Wilbert, to me, is just such a great example of that guy who can just basically do anything on the defensive front seven and then on top of that also do whatever you need for special teams. And so, yeah, I absolutely love Kyle Wilbert. I think we've got a great, great value out of the kid. All right, moving on to the fourth round. Maybe the most hyped fourth round pick in Cowboys history. I'm talking about safety, Matt Johnson. Uh, if you remember <laughs> the Matt Johnson pick, uh, I can remember it from YouTube. This was like when I really started getting into YouTube scouting. Uh, Matt Johnson played Eastern Washington, and they played yeah. this on the red field. I remember there mm-hmm. was this sweet, sweet highlight video with the All-22 film. Uh, it, it was. It looked like Matt Johnson was next Troy Polamalu. Uh, Johnson struggled to stay healthy. I don't even think he appeared in a single game for the Cowboys. Uh, nope. Probably one of the picks that I, I I always was high on Johnson because you know you just saw this raw athleticism, but never it never translated to the field. Any sad thoughts on Matt Johnson? The original unicorn, man. Uh, you know, we, uh, yeah, I, I was very, very heavily involved in the Matt Johnson um, lore building that was going on at the at the training camp that year. I mean, you know, like the, it's just the dude never could get on the field. He just, just, I just, you know, I, I kind of felt like what we, that was going to end up happening to Claiborne, but at least Claiborne eventually got you know more and more chances and and was able to make it on the field and, and kind of even things out but but Johnson man like uh, just never could get healthy and then because he was never healthy never got practice and because he never got practice you know fell behind and it was pretty it was pretty uh, anticlimactic frankly <laughs> it was to say the least not you know it was just kind of a is is Matt Johnson practicing no no okay cool and then yeah. suddenly he was yeah. he was gone yeah all right, let's move on to another one of the more disappointing picks that the Cowboys had in this draft, or at least for me, because I loved uh, the Cowboys' fifth round pick, Danny Cole, wide receiver out of Virginia Tech. Uh, he was he he was Cole Beasley before Cole Beasley to everybody. I remember people loving Danny Cole. Uh, I I got on the bandwagon. I remember when he was at Virginia Tech and he had like a sixty yard punt in a game because he he used to do a little bit of uh, punting there. Uh, you know, this is a guy that came into training camp. And we're going to get to Beasley in a second, but an undrafted free agent just completely whipped him in camp. Uh, Cole, I think, ended up getting hurt and was never able to stay healthy. 
uh, never made it to the Cowboys active roster and was out of the league uh, after one year in the NFL. So any thoughts on, on Danny Cole? Do you remember him from training camp? I, I'm assuming that you were there watching him. Uh, a shout out to Tom Ryle for uh, uh, ruining Danny Cole because he goat mouths Danny Cole. I mean, <laughs> Tom Ryle from <laughs> uh, from uh, blogging the boys uh, famously called Danny Cole his uh, his you know pet cat, uh, and then immediately I think the very next day he uh, hurt his leg and was never and never came oh, back into practice. So Tom after that was not al- Tom after that was not allowed to pick to- uh, pet cats, uh, and it was called the the Tom Rowell rule goat mouthing. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so shout out to Tom. Uh, but yeah, I remember Danny, um, and I remember uh, having a level of excitement for him as well. And so I was especially mad at Tom when he did that. Uh, and yes, I think, uh, I think he was, he was going to, you know, he, he was, he's in that same kind of mold. I felt like he was a little bit more of a linear player. Like, I, I feel like, yeah. uh, not like, I feel like he's more like maybe, uh, vertically explosive. Uh, well, he was I, a bigger player too. He was like six yeah, foot tall. I mean, he was a, he was a slot player, but it was only because he was a little bit shorter, shorter than, uh. Than, than a regular outside player. Like, I think he could have given you snaps out in the Z as well. Like, it, you know, Cole's 5'8", man. Like, you know, it's like, so it, this guy's, like, it was at least six feet, and I think, you know, it was kind of had more long speed uh, than, uh, than than Cole did, but but obviously uh, didn't have the toughness or the uh, uh, immediate elusiveness or explosion uh, because uh, that clearly was the difference. And also the health. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Danny Cole. All right. Sixth round pick was James Hanna, the tight end out of Oklahoma. And I know a lot of people probably are disappointed looking back on Hanna's career when they look at that athleticism. I think he ran in the, the four fours at his pro day. I mean, Hanna was a fantastic athlete. But for a sixth round pick, the Cowboys absolutely nailed this one. Hanna was one of the better blocking tight ends in the NFL. We talked about him a bunch on this podcast and the versatility that he provided the Cowboys as, you know, being an H back or being a fullback or, you know, moving him out wide, flexing him out, you know, just a really versatile player uh, that was a really good blocker, never really uh, accomplished much as a receiver despite all of that athleticism, but really the perfect complement to Jason Witten, you know, in 2012, 13, 14. So uh, absolutely great pick by the Cowboys here with James Hanna. Quick thoughts on Hanna before we move on. What is it about Oklahoma that makes you want to change your game up so drastically between college and the pros? Is he, he's like the, the, a couple different the times DeMarco now. Murray of, of tight ends, right? Where he comes out as the speed guy, but what he makes his money as in the in the NFL was he was an incredible blocker, an incredible blocking tight end. Uh, he will definitely be missed because his blocking was uh, absolutely fantastic. And yeah, that he still maintained that speed even after some injuries. Uh, and that made him a valuable occasional deep threat as well. And he caught a couple of deep, different deep passes. So uh, again, they got incredible value out of the six round pick, just like they're getting incredible value out of Swaim as well. Yeah, a great, a great, great pick here with James Hanna. I have always appreciated his game. And with the Cowboys' last pick, they took Caleb McSurdy, uh, linebacker from Wyoming. Uh, McSurdy never really did anything for Dallas. I think he was out of the league after two years. Uh, any thoughts on McSurdy? Or are we good to move on? No, we got to talk about some undrafted guys. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so if before we get to the undrafted guys, I want to just grade this draft because Ugh. I think the undrafted guys are going to kind of swing this a little bit. When you look at this group as a whole, 
what grade would you give the Cowboys 2012 draft? Well, I, I did look. I, I forgot to look at the undrafted guys originally when I did the, all the studying for this. Uh, and, and my initial grade then, I think, was a C. A C. I think C minus, okay. maybe. I, I gave them a C minus. Yeah. So we're on the same page. Just because yeah. Crawford has been a solid player. You've yeah. got some good years out of Hannah yeah. and Wilbur. But yeah, yeah I, I think a C minus is fair. I think now, you did you did well with with most of your picks, but the problem is you gave up. S- s- your miss was correct. so big and so valuable that it really drags it down. Right. So let's go ahead and talk about this undrafted free agent class because this is one of the better ones in recent memory. Uh, the the biggest free agent that the Cowboys went out and signed was a guy that they actually spent most of their free agent dollars on. And that was uh, guard Ronald Leary from Memphis. Uh, Leary actually played a little bit of tackle at Memphis. The Cowboys kicked him inside. Uh, the The rumor kind of surrounding Leary at the time was he had a degenerative knee. Uh, he wasn't going to last very long in the NFL. But we're going into 2018. He's still one of the better guards in the NFL. Talk to us a little bit about Ronald Leary. Was Leary this year? I didn't even know Ronald Leary was this year. Good yeah. Lord. God. Man, this is like, well, Ron Leary. I mean, you really couldn't have asked for a better. Everybody, let's just point this out. Everybody laughed at at, at uh, Jerry when he talked about how this guy had the had the opportunity to to be a starter almost immediately for this team um, once he got uh, signed, and and it's just like okay, whatever, Jerry. And and then they, and then of course they had never go back and correct it when he was right, right? So, but he was right, like <laughs> absolutely. And so and Leary was fantastic and obviously deserved a big money contract that he got. Uh, and I think he's going to end up having a long career. And, and, and I you know, wish him nothing but the best. He played fantastic for us, especially in that 2016 season. So, uh, uh, yeah, Ron Leary was a steal in the, for not to have to be drafted. You know, a guy who was on the borderline of making the Pro Bowl almost yeah. every year. Yeah. Uh, just a fantastic player. Uh, the next one I'll mention is Cole Beasley. We've talked about him, uh, you know, a little bit on this show. Uh, Beasley out of SMU, very, very small, but super explosive and athletic. Uh, if you remember correctly, uh, Beasley really, he quit the team halfway through training camp, didn't think he was going to make it. Uh, Jason Garrett went to his house and said, hey, listen. Come back. You're, you're going to make it. Are, you're going to make it. Come back and let's try this thing out. Uh, Beasley beat out Danny Cole pretty easily in camp. It uh, is now, you know, probably going to be the Cowboys' leading target getter this year in 2018. I mean, just an, a fantastic player, one of the best uh, slot receivers in the NFL. I was talking to the guys at Pro Football Focus about this uh, last year, uh, but they said, you know, if you just look at Beasley and you look at the wins above replacement, he offers you almost a full game above replacement level at the slot receiver position. Absolutely one of the best that we've seen in the slot for the last couple of years. Talk to us about Cole Beasley. Yeah, I mean, look, Cole Beasley alone, like in this class, I mean, we're going to talk about how significant of a jump he's going to put on this class, but I mean, he's the number one receiver for this team two years ago when you made your big run. I figure that he will likely be close to the number one receiver in, you know, at least game planning situations and potentially targets uh, coming this year. Uh, I, you know, I think he, uh, them finding him was, you know, of course them also learning their lesson from, 
from having released uh what was the kid oh my god now i'm blanking out the place for the patriots uh that went for the rams danny danny, danny, amandola. danny amandola yeah yeah I, I think that you know they learned their lesson that you know sometimes you need to break the mold on your um you know wide receiver thresholds if you find true talent that can give you value his value immediately the reason he was able to make it in the league immediately is because he can beat Almost anyone one-on-one, no one can really cover him. Now, he's small, he's slight, he could get hurt. All those are all obvious considerations like they've always been. But what the Cowboys started to realize is that if you can convert third downs and shorts, if you can get open for four, three to five yards consistently, that is a, a trump card that is hard to pass up no matter what your deficiencies are. So uh, that ability to separate to get open even for just a split second, which allows you to get the ball on him and get a first down is something that is, uh, you know, difficult to find no matter what, what size you are, no, what, what level you're at. Uh, so they couldn't let that go. And I think that's why Jason Garrett decided to go to that dude's house and get him back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to name a couple more of the Cowboys, uh, undrafted free agents from this year. Uh, Jamez Zolawali, uh, the Cowboys oh fullback for a couple of years. Now he's back on the roster. Uh, Lance Dunbar was part of this class. Uh, you know, we yeah. always talk about yeah. you know, Lance Dunbar's impact. Uh, Tim Benford, if you remember him, he actually mm-hmm. had a little bit of a run here in Dallas. Uh, Salim Hakeem, a guy that was super fast, didn't really have a position. Uh, I'll always remember him being the Jets cornerback who chased down Sammy Watkins uh, one time on a play yeah, that should have easily been it. a touchdown. Uh, Adrian Hamilton, a, a defensive end from Prairie View A&M. Uh, a guy that I really liked. Uh, I thought he could really get to the quarterback. Stuck around in Baltimore for a little bit. I mean, just uh, just a ridiculous undrafted free ben agent Bass. class. Ben Bass was in ben that Bass class was too. Ben one. Bass was a guy who flashed a lot. He could have been. He probably could have made the team if they had been back in a four three because he really was a, a, a long guy like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think when we look at this, like. I could I give this undrafted free agent class a higher grade than the draft class. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's, that's the thing. Not only does it bump up the overall class, it, I, well, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to call it a B. I mean, just because that's that's ridiculous, man. Like Leary with Leary with Beasley and Lance Dunbar, like uh, like that's, I mean, that's like having a whole second draft class. So just that volume of good solid snaps that you got out of this class it's hard not to call it a b yeah i struggle between a b plus and a b just because you had leary you have tyrone crawford you got some solid play from hannah and wilbur beasley is one of the best slot receivers in the league you got a starting fullback uh you know just not a lot of stars in this class but just a lot of really solid football players yeah yeah, exactly. guys that, you know, probably from, you know, players 30 to 50 on your roster that, you know, are just solid guys that help you win games. So uh, the overall draft, not great, but when you factor in this undrafted free agent class, uh, just a really, really solid class that doesn't get the credit that it deserves. Um, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. We will see you next week. We'll be talking about actual things going on in the football field. As the Cowboys return to training camp, I cannot wait. We will see you guys next time. (laughs) 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.